All right, guys, welcome back to another episode. We got a lot to recap here. Sony Open. Exciting Jeez, week. Be a little bit more bland. How are you? I mean, come on now. Chris, I have an important question to ask you. Yep. Was it was it targeting in the Browns game? It was absolutely. The fact that you can't review targeting in the NFL is beyond me. I know. It was unbelievable. Because that's the only and- reason why he lost control of the ball. Hey, sorry to spoil that one for you. I felt like a dick. Yeah, I mean, we and I already mentioned this on the other podcast. Mike's just been ruining sports for me the last two weeks. <laughs> but you know when you read a text and you read it in the person's voice? Like, I was reading that in your voice where you're like, Mike, shut the fuck up. <laughs> like, I'm like, oh, he's pissed. He's like really pissed. Anyways, let's get to our opening question. And this stemmed from a golf TV post. And Your favorite. It showed. So the question is, what's the best shot on the 72nd hole of a major? And Mike, I know what you're going to say. So why, actually, yeah, why don't you just start us off? Give us what you think. This is what Golf TV had in mind as well. So, no, I'm actually going to go a different route. And I'll tell you guys why. Because okay, Sean well, McKeel. that one first. Yep. Well, Sean McKeel is sort of the commercial answer. A little, little too easy. It's a. It's low-hanging fruit. I think the best 72nd hole shot was Constantino Roca in the 95 Open Championship, the putt from the Valley of Sin. And I'm going to tell you why. Because Good one. before that, since we are the Chili Dip Pod, you got to take note of the greatest Chili Dip of all time. It is the greatest Chili Dip ever. That, it went, that chip maybe went about three feet. We might have to change our logo to Constantino Roca. That <laughs> would be a just, sick logo. That would be a great. It just a silhouette sense. of him just chili dipping it or something, or a picture of him chili dipping it. it would be great. You got to watch that chili dip again because, especially when you chili dip a a chip shot, it happens in slow motion. It's the most discouraging thing that can happen to you. Yeah, that's one of the most underrated shot. His next shot, the putt that he made, it's one of the most underrated shots because just because he ended up losing. He got dusted by John Daly. Yeah, which we love to see, but <laughs> the mullet. So I'm going to throw one out there, which is not my actual pick, but one that came to mind was, and another underrated shot was DJ at Chambers Bay, his second into 18. His drive, first of all, and then his second into 18. We're like, the drive might have been better. It, the drive might have been better, but those were two of the. Best shots that he hit in the tournament. And then the and it basically sealed the deal. And basically is the key word there because <laughs> it was followed by probably the worst shot on the 72nd hole of a major. But the two worst shots. Well, the first putt wasn't that bad. The second one, he didn't even get it there. Yeah, that was hard to watch. But my real answer is... Jean Vandeveld at Carnoustie, the putt oh, he made to get into the oh, playoff. Yeah. I'm telling you, the putt, the putt that Vandeveld made to get into the playoff at Carnoustie, it was like That's a nine seven feet. footer, seven nine footer, right? That's one of the clutchest yeah. shots I think ever hit. After I what heard. he did in the preceding 15 minutes, to step up there and knock that putt in, and he drilled it. To step up there and knock that putt in gives me chills because that's the hardest thing to do in golf. 
That's a good choice. I like that take, Chris. So that's my nominee. So I, I've got two for this. One of them's my real one, then another one's an honorable mention. And my first one, it, it's pr- it's pretty obvious. Larry Mize at the Masters, 1987, on the 11th hole against Greg Norman. We're talking 72nd hole, though. Yeah, no, you're taking some liberties here. I'm taking some liberties. Okay. It's the final hole of a major. Final hole of a major, we'll say. Chips in from 110 feet on a shot that you could legit easily blade into the water. Like with that pin kind of hanging on the edge of the green there on 11, really intimidating shot, but that's commercial. My other one also bending the rules here. Honorable mention was Francis. We met 17th hole of the final day at the U S open. (laughs) What What are we talking about? It's a crazy response. What? How, dude? This is this what is one of the, the greatest shot? shots ever hit. He's got a twenty foot slider downhill for birdie. Uh, I believe he was one back at the time. We gave you two chances to answer the question correctly, and you don't. <laughs> two wrongs make a right, Mike. No, they don't. So he's got a, a twenty foot slider downhill, breaking left to right. He sets up to this putt. And he totally rams it, dude. He hits this thing so hard. It hits the back of the hole, pops up two inches in the air and drops right in. And it's also noted that obviously there's no video evidence of this, but uh, someone (laughs) honked a car horn on the street right next to him, (laughs) right in the middle of his backswing. (laughs) And he still made the putt. That's so underrated. Sean, this is, what 1913 is 2021 we're looking at 108 years you might need to provide some source material for this one this is according to bleacher report so i consider (laughs) what they might not be the best source for this one i consider it pretty accurate (laughs) i mean dude it was probably all over the newspapers the next day they had reporters back then the reporters didn't lie that's fair that's quite (laughs) selection i didn't see that coming I knew you wouldn't see that coming. But you know what people won't see coming is your selection. Well, I will firmly back that that's the clutchest shot hit maybe of all time. <laughs> I really believe horn. that. What? Francis we met shot? No, Vandeveld. Did you already mention it? Have you not been listening? I might have been I might have been out of commission. Put your Are phone you- in your pocket. Are you kidding me, Sean? I might have been. I might have been out of commission for that, that one. That was like a two-minute <laughs> bit. God, are that the painkillers getting to you? Not breathe over that. That was like a firm take. You want me to be honest and tell you what happened? Yeah, yes. what happened? So I was looking. I took some notes on this and on this uh, this segment specifically. And my notes said 17th hole for we met. And I was like, shit, I thought it was the 18th hole that he did this on. So I was going back through my research, like looking, trying to see if it was the 17th or the 18th <laughs> Classic hole. panic research. And it was a classic tune out. Just completely missed Chris's take. But Chris, I completely agree, dude. Vandeveld, we, we, we did a long, we had a long discussion about this. And we came to the conclusion that this was the clutchest shot ever hit in a major championship. Sean had the debate in his head whether he corrects his work and turns it in late or turns in the incorrect work on time, and he chose the latter and yeah, himself. Exactly. <laughs> That's classic. Classic debate, though. 
All right, let's move on. Should we get Sony? After embarrassing myself, let's move on. Let's get to Sony. Uh, Kevin Na. Joining Club Ricky. Kevin Na is the ultimate golfer. Wow, Kevin Na is Club Ricky now. He is Club Ricky. Five wins on tour. I love this new Club Ricky thing. It's hey, great. can I trivia question for you guys? Kevin Na has now won in each of his last four seasons. Can you name the other two players to have done the same feat? Dustin DJ. Johnson. That's one. Um, JT. No. What year didn't he win? Really? Uh, this would be he might have not won in. I forget, but it, but I saw this with Sean Martin, but he's it's not JT. Well, what? Really? Really? Give up? Is it Bryson? Correct, Amundo. Let's wow. go. Good job, Sean. He kind of. Yeah, I mean Bryson. He he's consistently inconsistently consistent. You know, he, <laughs> <laughs> you get the Bryson blowups. Bryson, he really is kind of inconsistent when you when you think about it. Like in a round, he's inconsistent. It's kind of like, oh boy, buckle up. You know, Bryson's hitting it, and if he hits a bad one, he's probably making a bogey. But at the same time, he's won the last four seasons. He consistently puts up good finishes. So it's tough to say like what Bryson really is, if he's consistent or not. And Did I guess we see his frontal like, lobe quote. No, <laughs> that no, was going to be my one down of the week. <laughs> that was outrageous, Chris. We'll we'll get to Bryson later, right, so right. so he can save it for Chris. But um, yeah, Kevin Na birdie on the last hole. Is Brenda Steele the Sony Trophy artist? I mean, last two years is literally a. Not a carbon copy of what happened because I felt like year, I was watching the same tournament, <laughs> but it was kind of like I was rooting for Steele. Besides Neiman, like I really wanted Neiman to win. I was rooting for Chris Kirk, but gosh, yeah, man, it's just hard to watch. It's hard wanna, to watch. Two over on know, his back nine. I know. You want to know what Steele's round reminded me of? It reminded me of Molinari's round at the Masters and where he's putting together a good score, like on that front nine, but he's working way too hard for it. And it's just really, really stressful. And you're just like, this isn't sustainable. It's going to, it's going to fall apart. Yeah. That's one of those, like those rounds, those eye test rounds, you just watch it and you can just tell they're not going to win. It was, you know what kind of also like Justin Rose at the U S open at Pebble beach last year. Yeah. yeah, he couldn't he couldn't he, hit a barn door with a banjo. He he was he was hitting it terrible all week, really, and just kind of he put it Breaking together, put it dipped and putted unbelievably. And you just kind of knew fourth round pressure, is it gonna work out? And I guess, you know, Steele played really consistent golf all week, but you could see it early on in that round, he just didn't have it. And he eagled nine, and then it was like, okay, now you're on the back nine. Now you have the lead. You have all these holes left. Everyone's in front of you. And you can't do anything. Because here's the thing with Wildline. The only thing that's going to get in the way of you playing well is yourself. Because it's an e- objectively speaking, it's an easy golf course. Yeah. Uh, and Chris. that putt. Well, I just want to say that putt that Steele hit on 18. Not that it really mattered because Nah had like a tap in, but. <laughs> that putt was so embarrassing it was it wasn't that's like short like two inches left i mean it kind you of, gotta hit it with some conviction go out with some dignity which he did neither 
Chris, didn't you say you told me maybe at the beginning of the week that Brandon Steele told everyone to bet on him this week? He did. I forget what podcast he was on, but he was like, yeah, when I'm in, you know, the midst of the season playing every week, that's maybe when you want to fade me. But when I'm coming off a break, (laughs) he's like, when I'm coming off a break, when I'm fresh at the Sony, like, yeah, you're going to want to bet on me this week. I think he only plays well, like in at the beginning of the calendar year and in the fall in the summer, he's useless. I mean, there's a lot of guys like that too, though. It's crazy that that's a trend amongst guys. He's pieced together an okay PGA tour career. I mean, I'm sure he's made a very handsome sum of money. I don't know why players play so outrageously well at some courses. Like it doesn't really, it shouldn't make that much sense. Like Matt Every, when he won back to back at Bay Hill and did shit the rest of the year, they asked him. He was like, "I have no fucking idea why I play well here." <laughs> Didn't he uh, go I mean, like sixty five, eighty three last year? <laughs> That's an underrated. That was an underrated fact. Well, he probably thought he was going to win again, and then I think he didn't. I think he forgot to smoke his weed before the round. <laughs> It's cliche to say, but like being uncomfortable can make a great golfer look terrible. You know, 100%. It, it really makes a difference being comfortable on tee shots, being comfortable with the type of grass you're playing on too. I mean, even just hitting irons out of the fairway, it can look a little different on tight Bermuda versus a, like, you know, bent grass. And obviously the greens makes a big difference. So it's cliche to say, but there's some guys it just fits their eye and, and steals obviously one of them. Yeah. But it was, it's interesting. I think bones mentioned on the, on the telecast that steel like played here once. And then he's like, eh, I don't really think this place suits me. So he took it off for a couple of years and then he came back and he realized he loved it and played well. And here we are. So I want to talk about Nah a little bit. He's mentioned in his um, post round press conference that, Earlier in his career, he was a little more consistent. He'd have a lot of top tens, some top fives, but he never really felt like he was close to actually winning and breaking through. And nowadays, he's kind of taking the mentality of it's all about winning. Let's not care about if we come in 20th or 5th, be a little more aggressive down the stretch. And it's kind of – I mean, he birdied his last four of six holes – did you notice anything that was different about Nah? Like, he did seem very comfortable. Like, well, when he's playing well, he seems he seems to carry himself very confidently. One thing I notice about him is that he seems to get every single bit out of his game. Like, he squeezes every yeah. bit of toothpaste out of the tube. Yeah, and Nah said something really interesting a couple of years ago. I think it was after he won, maybe at Colonial. Uh, he said there's like only 10 or 12 courses he can really win at each year. And he said he focuses specifically on those events. He he kind of trends towards those events because he knows he can win them. And honestly, when you think about it that way, it might, it might not be the best way to think about it. If you want to play consistent golf over the course of the year, because you're basically admitting that you have no chance at other, at other golf courses. That was a big thing this week. Yeah, but when it comes to courses like Wiley, which I'm sure is one of the courses he considered himself a candidate to win at, it builds confidence there. Like he knows, all right, this is a course that I can play well at. I've determined 
that this is one of my favorite courses on the PGA tour. And it probably hyper focuses himself to be able to play his best golf. Cause that's well, what you see. He plays his best golf at the courses that fit his game the best. Well, especially for guys like Nah who don't bomb the ball and make most of their money with their, with their chipping and putting. Yeah. They have to build, they have to build their schedule in order for them to peak at these certain times of year when they're playing courses and where it's more conducive to their strengths. Yeah. And, and it's, it's interesting too. Cause when you look at Kevin Na or, or a guy like Kevin Kisner, cause I feel like they play similar styles of golf. When you look at them on a, a really long, difficult golf course, say like the Beth Page black PGA championship, Tory Pines, one of those golf courses. It's not that they can't play well there. It's just that their best golf on those golf courses is not going to win rewarded. the tournament. It's not going to win them the tournament. Exactly. So you you can still see them. You know, I guarantee you that those guys can finish top 25 at a tournament at those courses. But they can't, even if they play their best golf, they can't win. So there's kind of no point in like really hyper-focusing for that week because there's nothing motivating you. You're not going to go out there, try to play your best, grind it out all week just to get a top 25. You're going to yeah. do it at a course like Wiley, at a course like Colonial, where you know you can win. In a way, it's more impressive when we see guys like Nah or Kisner or you know some sort of dinker win in, in a fashion like they did this week because every single part of their game really, really, really needs to be on just to be Definitely. in contention. When somebody like Rory or Bryson or Brooks Kepka or DJ goes out, they can win with their B-plus game because, because they're so long. They can take, they can take certain hazards out of, out of play that just matter more to the shorter guys. They can come, in, they can come out of the rough with, with uh, higher lofted clubs and higher just angles of descent, and they can get the ball to stop quicker. It just makes – it makes those hazards and those angles just not really matter that much. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And onto the Kisner thing, like, I don't know why, like he was kind of joking, obviously, but he was also meant a valid point, but it's not a valid point. He can win at Beth page, but, but his Varner, chances are a lot he lower, could, but his chances are lower. Like Varner if, if was he... Varner was tied for the lead. Yeah, and he definitely. fucking blew up. It, it it's it's really hard for a guy like that to hold it together for four days and play like legitimately impeccable golf. When you if you were to host a major championship with those like Beth Page Black 2019 PGA Championship conditions versus conditions at Wiley, you you just get drastically different winners. Like yeah, no, that's true. The, the average driving distance of the winner is, is going to be lower at Wiley. That's just how it is. And the, usually the better putters are going to, are going to prevail there. That's yeah, true. These, these courses just test different parts of their game or, or they examine certain parts of their game in a different way. But to tell the world that you can't win at Beth Page, I feel like it's pretty strong. Maybe that's <laughs> well, I, like making fun of him a little bit. Yeah, maybe it's the wording, but I think, but I think he does have a valid point. Yeah, and I think he's trying to prove something, right? He's trying to put out a message like, hey, PGA Tour, you got to do something about this. I can't win golf tournaments at these courses. Like, it's almost impossible. Yet, Kevin Nye and Kevin Kisner are two of, like, the top 50 players in the world. Kisner has gotten as high as around, like, top 20. So the fact that they can't win on golf courses that are hosting the biggest events is ridiculous, and I think they're just trying to, 
let the tour know, hey, you got to change this. Hey, did yeah. you see? Did you guys see Peter Malnati's quote? No. Can I read this to you guys? Because it kind Go of ahead. has something to do with what Kisner said. He says, one of my favorite things to criticize, a weird way to say something. I absolutely hate it when I'm watching golf on TV, which is rare. And I hear the commentator say, oh, this course is all about angles. Golf on TV, that's rarely ever true. Have you ever watched golf on TV? Like, look at the way Jason Day hits it. Angles don't mean anything when you fly it to the hole. I, I mean, here's the thing. On, on PGA Tour, it's kind of true because let's, the majority of guys, they're hitting it over 300 yards and they're using what? six seven clubs out of the in their bag yeah it's definitely true obviously the u.s open is kind of is different right when you look at the u.s open it's different than any pga tour setup and the, the problem is mike is the tour players like it that way they like it how it is right now for the most part and they complain when it gets really borderline unfair at tests like the u.s open where it's really firm and you almost can't get to some of the pins that are really tucked. And you, you have to hit an, a perfect tee shot. Say if the pin's tucked way back left, you got to hit it way out to the right off the tee. And you got to hit it perfectly so that you can set yourself up for success on the second shot. And this is the problem with member-run organizations when, and you lead to, and that's what it leads to having, to, yeah. and it leads to having guys like JT have some, fucking horrible quotes about golf courses. Same goes for guys like Webb or Billy Horschel. Um, hey, what are your guys' thoughts on the uh, internal OB this week? No, I never like internal OB. Yeah. I think that shows a I poor agree. design in the golf course. Yeah, I guess. Um, it, it brought me back to it brought me back to high school golf. We played uh, the second hole at our course. We The eighth hole ran adjacent to it, and the best angle was if you bomb it up the eighth, bomb it up the eighth, but we played that as internal OB. So you actually played it on that hole, partially for just to keep the integrity of the hole in B. So we didn't dome somebody or some public course hack decided to blow the ball back at us. So, but we would never tell the other team that it was, that it was internal OB. So, and it was really inconsistent between the groups. So one group we'd play it, um, we'd play it as, like internal OB and the guy and the other team would just would bomb it up. And they would be like, Ooh, we forgot to tell you, you're going to have to re tee. <laughs> it was really scummy. That, that's pretty dirty. It's pretty dirty. Yeah. We had a, we had a course like that in high school golf where it was internal OB and I'm just generally against it. I agree with Chris. It, it shows a design flaw. It shows like you really didn't yeah. think this far ahead. Like what if right. a tree falls and you can, <laughs> you can legit blow it up another fairway and make the hole drastically easier. But here's the thing. If we're having to do internal OB and these sort of hokey things that are, I would say just not in the spirit of golf, does that show that there's maybe, maybe an equipment issue? I don't maybe think this goes is, too far. I don't think this is something where equipment comes into play. Cause I mean, take the, the second hole at Newton Com is the one you're talking about. It's a dogleg left par five. It's an awful golf hole. There's a, there's a hole that runs up the left side. Yeah, that's the one. There's yeah. So there's a there's a creek that runs through the middle of the fairway. Of this hole, right about where your tee shot would end up with the driver. So it, it's just 
no matter what, if you're playing with baladas and wooden wooden clubs, it's still advantageous to blow it up the left side because it just makes the tee shot easier. So I don't think it's an issue of equipment. I, I see what you're trying to say, and I don't think this is where it comes in. It's just it comes down to it's a design flaw and internal OB is stupid. Yep. Yeah. What about uh any thoughts on the uh, lift clean in place on Sunday? I mean, that's fine. Yeah. In a I, shootout, that's fine. I hate when the the USGA or the Augusta this year was was really frustrating. Should have been lift clean in place. Uh, it's just it's an ego thing, right? They, they don't want to show that the course is in bad shape. So I actually like it when when uh, they use lift clean in place when they should. Yeah, it's probably more fair. I, as much as we like to see Bubba screaming mud balls all over as the place. As much as we love organic matter. Yeah, really Augusta can't gaslight us into thinking that their place doesn't have fucking mud. Yeah. That's <laughs> reminds me of that. Golf courses are made of. It reminds me like of that tweet where somebody said, why are you, why are you wearing sunscreen? It's like, you think I'm tougher than the sun? <laughs> yeah. Hate to break it to you, Augusta. Golf courses are made of mud. Yeah. You know that. You're some of the best agronomists in the world. <laughs> <laughs> no, unbelievable. Hey, thoughts on Chris Kirk? It really, what a comeback. Yeah, he, it's, it's good to see him out there. So can I throw some stats at you guys? Throw them. Or some facts? So this was the last week of his major medical. He needed to finish tied 33 better to earn back conditional status for the PGA tour, but he needed to finish tied third or better to earn, earn back full status, which which he had before he took his leave of absence and he finished tied second. That's pretty cool. That's gutsy. It's really sick. Yeah. And he had an insane up and down on 18 too. really sick shot on 18. He almost made it. He he's a, he's got to be at the, on the uh the council of uh tempo town he is yeah. he looks just looks like a zombie out there though i mean he just makes no facial reactions he's just moping around just doing his thing his That's swing's amazing. loose it's just like languid yeah <laughs> he makes golf not seem stressful and it's so it's so antithetical antithetical to what he's been struggling with with anxiety which then boiled down to alcoholism and you know anxiety especially on the golf course that's something that's pretty relatable for i think for everybody and to see the the way that he's able to carry himself and it seems like he doesn't have a care in the world it's pretty cool but also you just like don't know what these guys are thinking out there you don't you don't but that's i mean that's that's how you want to play golf though is is the way that he portrays it the yeah, Dustin I mean, Johnson model yeah but I think it's such a cool story it's and and with how candid he's been about his struggles it's it's hard not to not to pull for this guy yeah he's a guy that everyone can get behind yeah absolutely uh any, any other thoughts uh Neiman played well once again dude Neiman's really on a heater right now He's so insane, dude. He is early, so early contender for worst outfit of the year. On Sunday. Yeah, that was really bad. Early that contender so for strong. dude. What's with the puke green this year? I mean, the neon the, all over the, the neon trim is what really affected yeah, the neon me. trim is really gross. 
God, it was it was bad. And those what was the logo pulls? on his hat too? Uh, he had some odd logo on his hat. I didn't know what it was. I mean, you're talking about the fourth most least the fourth most offensive thing in that outfit. So I really can't I really can't remember. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely <laughs> early contender for worst of the year. Besides the oh, outfit, I mean, this guy's going to have a huge year. This is not like some, oh, he played well on the Hawaii swing. This is like, wait, this guy's s- bursting onto the speaking. Scene. Wait, speaking of logos, Kevin Nas, giant walk it in logo on the back of his shirt. So How are we not talking about? No. So just put sick. that to bed. So sick, dude. <laughs> All right. First, Mike, why do you have an issue with it? It's just over-marketed. And also, the logo is giant. That's I agree sick. that it's over-marketed, but like, I think Kevin Nas at the point where he can justify having his own logo. Oh, no. Well, here's the thing. It's completely over-marketed, and I think we can all agree that Kevin Nas, like, as much as I respect him, he's a little bit cheesy. But Definitely here's the thing. super cheesy. What is he, late 30s, early 40s? He probably has, like, what, two or three legitimate like top years left in his prime he's you kind of have to juice every single bit out of the out of he's just having fun marketability that you can he's just right. having yeah. fun he's gonna make a mark on the pga tour with that walk it in thing like people down the road when when you see people walk it in they're gonna think back to kevin Nob because of that listen i can't fault him for pouncing on a branding opportunity i did the same exact thing and i'm sure you two would too yeah yeah i mean I had no issue with it. The way I thought about it was like, I just thought of Kevin Nod deserve, does he deserve his own personal logo? Like, I mean, yeah, every, dude, everyone has their own logo these days. Like Keegan, has all the, all the stars do really like it's a silhouette. Most of the time, if, if you're a big name, it's a silhouette. Like I think about Phil, Phil's logo, but if we, if Ricky came out with his own personal logo, we'd have no issue with it i mean and he has five wins same as kevin Nah. so yeah well it's so easy to rip on ricky though yeah all right any other thoughts um i since we were just briefly went over neiman i mean this guy's gonna contend in a major this year i feel like there's no doubt about it he's sneaky long he's super long he rips that like rope draw slinger yeah i I love it. It like the ball flight. It has, it has like this integrity to it where it just, it looks strong. Yeah. You know what I mean? He started clacking it though at the end of the, at the end of the tournament off the tee started really getting the club stuck inside and behind. Swing hurts my back, man. It does dude. Like Sean and I both have back issues. So (laughs) I think he's gotten a little 18 holes of it is tough. It used Chris, to be worse. It used to be worse. It's an incredibly athletic golf swing. Definitely. Like, do you know how flexible you have to be to get into that impact position? Chris, it, it, just looking at the major lineup this year, you think Neiman's going to contend. Where do you think his best chance to contend is? Because I don't really think his game with how low he hits it, which is a big factor, really suits major championships, maybe besides the open. I think he's perfect for Kiowa. I think he could contend at really all of them. I don't think I think he has a game that can travel really well. I, I really think, do. I think the only thing that gets in Neiman's way sometimes is 
if you get onto a course really firm and fast that has some like challenging greens, I think we saw it at Royal Melbourne is that he may, he might not hit the ball high enough. That's the only flaw that I really see in his game, but I mean, I think he's so talented, especially around the greens. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I just posed that question because I really don't, I think the U S open is going to be by far the hardest for him to win. Yeah. But the lineup of the rest of the majors sets up well for him. Kiowa, you know, it's on the water, going to be windy. He's played really well at the ocean courses this year. I mean, when you think about, he played really well at RSM, obviously Hawaii's played great. So he's clearly a guy that likes to play in windy conditions and plays really well in them. So I think actually Tori could set up okay for him at, as US Open's yeah, go this year. I agree. I've played Tori and Kiowa. Kiowa, the wind plays a much larger factor at Kiowa than it Definitely. Does yeah. And then so obviously the Open I like set his... up well too. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see how he does um, how he does overseas. We've never really seen it. I mean, pro- pro- probably okay. I mean, he he's hits it so low off the tee with that tumbling draw. I mean, he's going to be hitting it really, really far out there. Yeah, a lot fader, further than some of the faders will. I mean, his baseline is his baseline's so high, and you can tell that he's a creative golfer. That I think he, I think the Open could set up well for him. All right. Do we want to move up to, do we want to move on to uh, one up, one down? Yeah. What do you got? So my one up was my one up was Chris Kirk. I rattled off all the stats. I think that's a pretty, I think that's a pretty fair one up. And your one down. My one down has got to be Aaron Baddeley. He was on my team for back afterwards. Yeah. I, was, I was, I was looking uh, pretty good. I didn't looking wanna, good, dude. I didn't want to jinx it. I you know, I had to, I had to pinch myself before rubbing it all on Chris's face. And guess what? Bat, Bat's fucked it up. He slid down the leaderboard. I think he finished like T forty one. And so, well, he played felt, with steel, so I feel like he caught some of that bad closing energy. Well, I think I, I think his finish basically made me lose out on money this week to you. <laughs> yeah, that's almost single handedly. That's not a surprise. Yeah. We'll get to back asswards. Um, my one up is well, I have two one ups quickly. MLK, it's MLK Day. MLK friend of the pod. Definitely friend <laughs> of the pod. Big friend of humanity. Um, my second one up is Neiman. And we already talked about Neiman. Oh but God, I fucking love the guy. I'm I think I'm gonna pick Dude, you're obsessed with him. I God, think he's your Max Homo. It's yeah, he is your Max Homo. I'm gonna bro. pick him to win every tournament. In our mat, in our matchups. I mean, you oh you should God. keep riding this heater for sure. I think we might need to institute a limit on how many picks to win you can. <laughs> yeah. player. I'm just gonna pick DJ every week. Yeah, even I though, know. Even though he's completely let me down last well, week. We, yes, we were, we were approaching a problem with there too. Um, my what one down know? is so my one down is Bryson response (laughs) ryan labner tweeted on when was it a couple days hold on disclaimer i don't even know what bryson tweeted yet but just the fact that bryson's already your one down and like just anything that bryson does is automatically funny but go ahead it's 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 nice to see one down it's like it's just something that's hilarious but it's gonna be more like a what the it's more like a what the fuck 
exactly but he was asked what happened at the masters with his like his headaches or some health issue that he was you know and his response i'll read just the beginning of it he goes i actually went to multiple doctors multiple people trying to figure out what this was i got a bunch of mris i got a couple mris went to an inner ear doctor eye test (laughs) eye pressure ear pressure even did ultrasound on my heart, ultrasounds on my neck to see the blood flow and how things were moving through the different areas of my body. And everything came back really, really well. The one thing I will tell you is that I've done a lot of brain training with NeuroPeak and the frontal lobe of my brain was working really, really hard. And that's kind of what gave me some weird symptoms, like crazy overworking. <laughs> and he went on for like another two paragraphs. But it's just hilarious how like, it's just anything he says blows up and I don't know. It didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. He's just going to be a comedy show going forward. There's no self-awareness. It's unbelievable. So John Mulaney is one of my favorite stand-up comedians and he does this bit talking about Donald Trump, like basically saying he's a horse in a hospital. Like he's just not in the right place, (laughs) just causing a, tremendous ruckus is basically what he says bryson is is a horse in a hospital he's a horse in a hospital he should not be in golf like he's just he's just so different like he should not be in the golfing world which is why he just makes so much commotion it's just it's great though it's great and i don't know honestly he gets way too much shit like who cares that he's looking at his frontal lobe you know, well, it's, like, the f- it's the fact that he has no idea how it sounds, how he sounds like a complete <laughs> fucking jackass. <laughs> but two things I have to say. First off, get well soon to John Mulaney. I think he's at rehab right now. For, yeah, he is. For some substance abuse issues. Sad and, to hear. Um, but we commend him for his courage for getting the help that he needs. And then second off, I think we should start a petition for Bryson to donate his brain to science once he moves on. <laughs> He probably will. I agree. I I think he will. Sean, what's your one up, one down? All right. So my one up is it's just been announced that Mike Kaiser, the guy that did uh, Bannon Dunes, basically. Oh, this is great. He's rebuilding the Lido, which for those those of you that don't know what the Lido was, the Lido was a Seth Rayner golf course back built in like the 1920s maybe a little earlier than that that was considered the best golf course in the world by many and by architecture geeks it's like the holy grail of golf course design it's like noah's ark exactly so it was located it was on long island but now it's going to be rebuilt in wisconsin i believe on sand valley right right north of sand valley yeah so Really exciting stuff. It's going to be a private club, but open to the public, kind of similar to how, uh, what's the course in Nebraska, Sand Sand Hills. Hills. Kind of similar to Sand Hills. Mike Kaiser follows that model (laughs) pretty consistently. As Chris just shows us an absolute meme of Bryson. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to get to that picture later. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, Good news, basically. The Lido is back yeah good good news for us architecture geeks a little bit of a shame that you know it'll probably cost it north of 600 dollars to play per person potentially yeah but it's a cool golf fair price i will definitely pay to play fair price 
One down. We haven't talked about JT yet with the whole we'll Ralph get... Lauren thing. But yeah, briefly, uh, no, no, go ahead. We we'll can get about. into it right now. It's going to yeah. be a long, long yeah. Let's get segment. Yeah, let's right. get into it. Basically, my issue with this is uh, JT was obviously his sponsorship was ended, and Ralph Lauren came out and made a statement that was absolutely ridiculous, in my opinion. They said they basically what JT did does not belong in their culture. It's not representative of their culture, which in any normal company, yeah, in any company, yeah, it should not be a part of your culture. Obviously what JT did was terrible and like just should not be a thing. And actions have consequences. My issue is that Ralph Lauren is not a company that really stands up for LGBT rights. And it's basically proven by the fact that they manufacture stuff in Bangladesh, Egypt, and other countries that will imprison or kill LGBTQ members just for being who they are. So if basically, if Ralph Lauren, if you actually want to make a statement about this, you cannot manufacture stuff and support the economies of these countries that are already oppressing people way worse than what Justin Thomas did. And in addition to that, and that's a great point, Sean. Yeah. In addition to that, they put in this little kicker, which the was little like, caveat. Yeah, this is what if, if this is what really in, pissed me off. If he uh. puts in the hard and honest work, like hopefully he will be back at La- Ralph Lauren in the future. It's like, really? Yeah, that's what really like. That's what really, really, really ground grinded my gears. Because here's the thing: the redemption is is the hard work that you do to to be a to be an advocate for LGBT, the LGBTQ members, learning as to why that word is so offensive, the, the impact that it has on, on, on gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgender people. Not, the, the redemption is not earning your way back to your, to your polo golf sponsorship. That's not, that's not the end all be all of this. It's, it was just really, really bizarre in how they kind of inserted themselves into this. I, yeah. I think that's well put, Mike. And it yeah. just made it and it just made the statement seem so disingenuous and so it just seemed like lip service. It yeah, I agree. It makes it seem like they're they're doing this because they feel like they have to. Like that's what it that's what it seems like putting that caveat in makes it seem like they're doing it because they feel the social pressure of doing it, as opposed to this is what we believe. And we're trying to do the right thing here. And don't get us wrong. We all know that this is a more complex issue than just, you know, dropping him or not dropping him because, you know, you have to answer to stakeholders and this, that, and the other. And like, you know, there's, there's a whole another layer of complexities, but I want to, did any of you guys read Eamon Lynch's uh, piece in golf week this week? No. Can you summarize I, it? I thought he summed up really well. And especially and Eamon's a very good voice to have on this because he's one of the very few openly gay people in golf. He said, one of the things he said is there's two mutable facts in this sorry mess. What Thomas says was as despicable as it was dumb and Ralph Lauren has every right to decide who's an acceptable ambassador for his project, for his products. Um, it's merely an example of free market of work, but the flip side is that an isolated angry comment isn't the full measure of a man and that the defense of human, human dignity isn't best mounted by an industry that postures while while surviving on sweatshops. Yeah. There you go. Well said. That's a good one down. 
I think that's all right. You said about the matter. Let's move yeah. into. We've done a lot of ranting today. Yeah, let's, let's move go in into let's more go news. Into back, um, back ass words and matchups. Right, 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 right. So let's go over our matchups. We had three matchups this week. Morikawa versus Simpson. Webb beat him out by one. It's another close matchup race. Morikawa, another really solid week. But Webb's not just. A fluke. It's not a fluke, but Webb is just so sick. I mean, Fitz and I are on the Webb train. Pasco, you lost this matchup. You took Morikawa. Tough loss for you. Hey, can we – I do want to say one thing about Morikawa that I I think is a positive is the fact that he's having these good finishes with with a game that's clearly not his A-plus game. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's been one of the most inconsistent players on on the PGA Tour the last the last year. So it's good to see him learning, kind of learning to manage his game. Yeah, learning learning to get the most out of what most out of the least. Yeah, because he does yeah. have so much talent. So he should yeah. be doing what he's doing right now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But unbelievable week by Webb, Paul Tesori, friend of the pod, and Sean and I go one and zero to start the matchups. Our second matchup was Abe Answer versus Sung JM. I'm the only one who took in here, and Answer missed the cut. And really so surprising. surprising. Yeah, yeah, I thought this would be a good tournament for him. We all kind of did, right? Like, this was kind of a course that we thought suited him and, and fit his eye, fit his game. Didn't a lot have, of people I mean, riding him this week. Yeah. Well, it's just one of those things. So... M wins. Nothing much else to say there. Our third matchup, Hunter Mahan versus Y.E. Yang. They both missed the cut, but Y.E., I believe, was two under, and I think Hunter was No, I think if you both missed the cut, it should nope, be. No, no. Oh, Yang it's wins. Ne- it, that's never been the case, and this never is been the Y.E.'s case. win. I, I told you, dude, Y.E., he's coming. He, he's on a revenge tour. Is he can't be rewarded for sucking better. <laughs> he shot two under. It's not like he shot like four over. Mike, you're just trying to, yourself. You're you're salty, trying to dig yourself. You're yourself out of going over three in the week. Which I'm still is. fucking winless regardless. You went 0-3. <laughs> Listen, we shouldn't be rewarding mediocrity. I'm sorry, Y.E. It's a, it was a statement week for Y.E.A. It was a statement week. It was a statement week, week for I'm, Y.E.A. Yeah. Oh my what it comes god! Down. The bar is so low with you two guys right now. Well, with guys like Ye and I mean, Hunter, Ye Yang, we haven't Mike, heard from him in a while. Dude. You gotta remember, he has a ton of Japan Tour wins. Like he might be in consideration <laughs> for the Hall of Fame. He could be a Hall of Famer. <sighs> well, that, we'll we'll get back to the listeners on that. Yeah, our next it, Hall of him and his seven hybrids. Yeah, we'll have to look at his Sunshine Tour wins and his um, Junior Golf wins. I felt like it, I saw him out on. I, I, I saw him on TV coverage a fair bit. I, I feel like I saw him two or three times maybe early on in the week. They were really publicizing that he was out uh, there. They know what the storm's brewing. <laughs> the anger's back. <laughs> Anyways, so I went two and one on the week. Sean, you went the same. Mike, 0 oh and three. So I'm currently leading matchup season at four and two. And Mike, you're in last. <laughs> Familiar place. <laughs> Anyways, we'll be continuing that throughout the whole season. Still very early. So, if I was Ye Yang's agent, I would trademark the uh, 
the name uh, Yang Gang just to take it right from Andrew Yang's nose. I think that'd be pretty sick. (laughs) I mean, to be like, what is he, 40-something years old? The trade market at this point would just be outrageous. It would be a Money well spent. Money well Missed opportunity. Missed opportunity. It should have been done a while ago. Okay. (laughs) Back ass words. The back ass words segment is a weekly game in which each podcaster is assigned a team of two players. But the catch is their team is chosen by the other two podcasters. The team with the most cumulative earnings from that week win the segment. So the goal is to pick players that you think will play really poorly so that they will not earn money for that team. And once a player has been chosen, they cannot be chosen again for the rest of the season. So we had an entertaining week on back ass words. I'm going to read out the teams and the results really, really quickly. You guys gave me Kramer Hickok, who made 78 grand this week. I believe he was T19 out of nowhere. Uh, really for Kramer. I mean, from the wood. Sharp pick, Sean. Sharp pick. <laughs> Dude, <And> no, <laughs> no one saw that coming. Thank you, Sean, for giving me Kramer. And my other guy was Grayson Murray, who missed the cut. So my teammate 78,000, which, you know, I'm pretty ecstatic about. I think Kramer was the only one out of the six guys who actually missed the cut. You mean Grayson Murray? Grayson. Yeah. No, no, Matt DeFu. No. Yeah. Matt Doffy. What did I say? MJ- what, how did I... <laughs> yeah. Wait, no, I actually Doffy. have to initiate an apology for, for with you on this one because I, I called you out on mispronouncing it because you said Duffy last week. Apparently it is Duffy, which was a tough No, scene. I didn't no say way. Duffy. I yeah. just said Doff, Doffu or something. Or no, you said I said DeFu. I said DeFu, and I was... And I was so convinced that I was right, but yeah, you ripped me apart for that. Yeah, completely missed it. I'm sorry. (laughs) Anyways, um, (laughs) Sean, you had Matt Doffy, and I still don't know how to pronounce it. He missed the cut though, and but you you were also given Wesley Bryan, who made a clean thirty-five thousand. Yeah, I saw that. That was cool. Should have definitely covered his expenses for the week. Big week for Wesley. Big week. Big week. Expensive to travel to Hawaii. It is. Probably barely broke even this week. Who knows what he was I mean, it depends. I mean, was he he a high roller? Was he flying first class? Did he fly private? I don't think Wesley Bryan's going going private. I mean, who could say, Mike? Who could say? Well, here's a guy who is going private. Bryan Brothers, I heard they really reel it in. So I mean, oh, yeah. They probably do. But talk about a high roller here, Mike. Guy on your team, Troy Merritt, making fifteen grand this week, and that's pretty. I mean, that's not bad for a back asswards pick. You also had Aaron Baddeley, who we talked about earlier, kind of shot the bed. I'm spitting the bit, but he still made twenty four thousand for you. So yeah, you good made, back asswards week. It was a good back asswards week. It was really good. Yeah. But when you when you look at the totals for when we started, so we started when when our podcast started, and I've built up quite the lead, especially Lift on and my, separate. So this is so total money earned on every back asswards segment we've done. I'm at one point six million. Sean, you're in second 
at 770,000. And Mike, 300,000. Oh, God. Oh, I need a big week. What's going on? Hey, guys, guys, just don't perform. You're giving us, you're giving us good players. We're giving you shitty players. And I'm, I'm coaching my players well, and they just won't listen. <laughs> so you are, you're now last in both of our pick segments. So that's good to see. On naked, you ain't first, you're last. Mike's on naked lap watch. (laughs) (laughs) I am. I truly am. Um, But anyway, that recaps our Sony Open recap. And I don't know if you guys have anything else to say. We can move into some news here. I I just got something quickly. New friend of the pod this week. Uh, I'm down in Sea Island, Georgia. I was out practicing today, just hitting balls at the range. And up walks uh, Fran Quinn, who's a, a, a senior tour player, plays on the PGA Tour champions, played on the PGA Tour for, for many years. Massachusetts golf legend. Mass golf legend. So just quick shout out to him. I asked him, I, I, I know him a little bit. I've talked to him in the past. Uh, we work with the same swing coach. And I asked him, hey, you have any advice for me hitting balls just dead into this like 15 mile an hour wind, trying to flight it? And he spent like 10, 15 minutes just giving me drills, giving me, you know, feels to try and, and try to hit the ball low. So didn't have to go out of his way to do that. And it's cool what a pro like really cares about, you know, the game and cares about fans and stuff. So shout out to him, new friend of the pod for sure. There's nothing, that, there's nothing that exposes you more than hitting, uh, than hitting into, into the wind on a range. Oh my You'll God. know whether you're hitting good or bad. Yeah, it, I that was thing will spin that, off the planet. I was saying that today. Like, it's one thing to hit it into the wind when you're hitting the ball really well, but I haven't, when you're club in, I haven't touched a club in two months, and I'm out there just whacking it around. <laughs> it's, it. it's deflating. No, it's it was a dark scene for a while out there. Yeah. All right. Want to get into more news? So let's talk briefly about w, WGC Mexico moving to the concession club in Bradenton for 2021. It's official. It, it's official and it's officially back in Mexico next year. Yes, correct. So we had originally thought that they were moving away from Mexico. Which but they're would be going an outrageous move. Big win for Ger- for Geronimo. Mexico and huge win for Chapultepec. Mike and I were talking about this course the other week. Really electric. Of course. Really electric Muni. It's sick. Yeah, best worst course. Shout out to those bunkers that are above the level of the green. <laughs> Shout, Shout out to Geronimo. Shout out to Grupo Salinas. On the opposite, concessions are really private course and you supposedly know, insanely hard. Supposed to be, yeah, like a crazy golf course. I think the greens there are, are supposed to be insane, which you never see on a Florida course. So I'm excited for this. This this could be a cool inside look at concession and you know i think the pros won? are going to be hot and bothered do you guys i agree it could be really crazy you guys know who won the 2015 ncaa championships at concession oh i know oh wait one. don't uh, lsu no what player no, 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 no. what player individual oh bryson was yes, it bryson sir. no bryson. way bryson when he was a skinny little guy uh, he's gonna I guess win. That makes sense. I knew. Yeah, 
It's weird to see him with a with a skinny face. Now he's now it's all blown up like a tick. <laughs> It'll be I fun to see for sure. It could yeah. be fun to see because there's gonna be some guys that just immediately like shoot themselves in the foot by getting pissed off at how hard the golf course is or how hard the greens are. Yeah, I'm and so I don't jacked. think Bryson's gonna be one of them. Like it, the guys that I feel like JT complains about stuff like that. Oh, it's going to, the first complaint is either going to come from JT or Billy Horschel. It's guaranteed. Yeah, Billy Horschel will definitely yeah, be one Horschel. Of Billy Horschel had another comment about the fucking internal out of bounds this week. It's, he has, he's available for comment ev- on everything. It's unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. You'd think he, you'd think he's like a top three player in the world yeah. considering how much he talks. Doesn't shut the fuck up. Nothing beats him at Chambers Bay. That was a sight oh. to see. Billy Horschel wow. needs his own podcast. Basically, it was no, he doesn't. Yeah, we got to get so you can so so you can shut him up. Just get him on his own podcast. You don't need to hear him. You don't (laughs) want to listen to it. That's a good point. (laughs) Then he never has to speak to the media ever again. Oh, that's a great point. Yeah, just just keep him just keep him over there. Just give him a Billy. Go sit over there and record your podcast. Yeah, here's some here's some keys to jingle to entertain yourself. (laughs) (laughs) All righty. AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am will feature no amateurs this year, and it's only going to be played at Pebble Beach and Spyglass, no Monterey Peninsula. Too bad, Monterey's course. I was really excited about this, and then I realized ah, they're still going to have fucking Bill Murray call in, so I was pretty disappointed. <sighs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Bill Murray. Oh it my really God. is cringe, dude, the Bill Murray thing. I was so excited. I'm like, no Bill Murray, no Larry the Cable Guide, no, I don't know, Nick Saban, Tony Romo, but we all know that Bill Murray will shove yeah. his way in there. I mean, Roma will probably shove his way in there too. I'd rather I mean, listen to Roma than Bill Murray. This might not be a hot take, but Bill Murray's not a funny guy off camera. He's not. He's not interesting or He's, funny. Here's the thing: Bill Murray, the actor, absolute legend. Yeah. Bill Murray, the golfer, one of the most overrated people ever. Yeah, yeah. It really is. <laughs> Maybe maybe this, this means we won't see Clint Eastwood this year either. I mean, Dude, well, Clint Eastwood, oh, Clint Eastwood's going to be there. He came on. I I watched the whole segment of when he was on, like maybe last year or two years ago. I mean, the guy's a fossil. Like he barely <laughs> he's he hanging can barely on even be in there. Like he really is. <laughs> he's hanging on by a thread. We, so this we're might be for him. We're yeah, pulling we're for him. Pulling for him. Friend of the pod, Clint Eastwood, but he, he definitely needs to go on the broadcast. <laughs> I thought you were about to say he just needs to go, period. That's scary. That's a tough scene. He does not need to leave this planet, but he just needs to leave the broadcast. Yeah. I mean, I mean, maybe yeah, he, he should go start his own podcast. No, he should leave the with broadcast. Billy Horschel. Him and Billy Horschel should just. <laughs> They're going to be talking <laughs> in circles. Billy Horschel. <laughs> Would be the most entertaining <laughs> podcast out there. Bill, yeah, Clint B- Billy Horschel, JT, Peter Malnati, Billy Ho Golf. Oh my God. Clinton Bill. <laughs> Man, I mean, you might as well just put, put Bill Murray on it too. Bill Maybe. Murray, Clint Eastwood, Billy Horschel. Maybe Justin they can Tolman. dial up Angel Cabrera from yeah. <laughs> oh, <no>. prison. <laughs> Oh my god. When I read this Colin. When I read this, I was like, oh my god, the duck. Like 
Imagine getting busted in a foreign country and having to fly back in handcuffs. That's got to be one of the toughest scenes. Do we know what he did? Yeah, it's not pretty. It's not good. What did he do? Uh, uh, It's hit his wife on multiple occasions. Same goes for his ex-partner, allegedly. And that, wow. And so so serious stuff. So this is from 2016? Yeah, and and apparently, like, it was being reported by, like, multiple reputable news sources in, like, Latin America saying that, you know, he was on the Interpol red code, which is insane. Like, some real Bond villain stuff. That's wild. He kind of already looked like a Bond villain. Yeah, but he seemed like such a nice guy. Yeah, but, you know, the cigarette and the, I mean, it's not what we want to see out of the doc. It's really not good it's really not good yeah but we'll we'll see what happens in <laughs> that court. was like the most well, shocking headline you want to apparently the thing is is like he was just skipping court dates yeah i mean i guess that's yeah i don't know yeah and so so the charges are assault and then also charges of theft and illegal intimidation to to the authorities so just to top it off yeah it's just the the cherry on top of the cake well, I don't know what to say. What? I, when will we find and, out more information? Uh, to be determined, but as we speak, he's currently an enemy of the people. I have no other thoughts on this. It's, yeah, I mean, it was, it was surreal. Outrageous situation. And <laughs> if, he did, if he is guilty, then yeah, he should he should serve his time. I mean, like it's hard it's hard to have terrible a terrible accusation. Like... <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's I just mean, crazy. No, there's no nuanced take that you can have on it. I mean, like what? Like if we say domestic abuse is bad, it's like no shit. Domestic abuse yeah. is bad. <laughs> the only the only good take about this, and the only funny thing about this, is it's literally the most random shit ever. Like he just got arrested in Brazil, like out of nowhere we haven't heard about this guy in years like yeah i mean you only hear about him at augusta did he play in the masters this year no i think i think he was off maybe that's why he couldn't go that's why he couldn't go remember him and wow oh yeah with the last second yeah and we thought it was because augusta was pressuring them to not play because of the weather it's like no this This is why no maybe trevor immelman's involved in it who knows wow he's tied up in crazy stuff in brazil he could be living in a cave right now hiding from the authority (laughs) i doubt it trevor Trevor immelman seems like a good guy helping decide but (laughs) yeah i was about to say on hell why are you not why are you not playing this year at augusta i don't know maybe the bounty on my head yeah exactly (laughs) sorry guys couldn't make it up for a golf tournament i've got the cops, the feds chasing me in Brazil. <laughs> yeah, there is a hit out on me. Yeah. All right. It's a really and then dark this... scene. That's really wild. <laughs> oh, man. Jesus. All right. And last but not least, this news broke this morning um, by uh, Joel Beal from Golf Digest, former guest of the pod, friend of the pod. Uh, John Rom has withdrawn from the Amex this week. Um, been undisclosed as to why. But his spot will be taken in the field by former Cal stalwart Brandon Hagee. Why is he withdrawing? Did you hear me just say that it's been undisclosed as to why? Yeah, but like, what's your? T- I I want your opinion on it. Oh, what do you think? I, what do you I think mean, is going on? 
there's no way there's nothing to really react to yet we can only hypothesize you can only imagine you know yeah you're asking me to put my tinfoil hat on right now you think dj beat him up for little revenge tour a little revenge revenge tour tour. (laughs) the masters (laughs) maybe uh yeah maybe taylor may put a hit out on him who knows yeah i mean if if there's one event that rom can withdraw from and it's not a big deal it's the amex yeah i mean he he's he's won here before he he did his uh come he returned after he won that's all he really owes to he it. probably just was like tired or just wanted a week off or whatever yeah but i mean like traveling from hawaii to california is still what like six hours Sometimes you just need a break. Maybe he, he wants to go on a vacation now. with his girlfriend. I think a wife now. Wife. Yeah. Congrats, John Rom. They, I think they are expecting a kid too. So double congrats. Congrats on the kid. Bold move to bring one into into the world during a pandemic, but that's neither here nor there. That's not my problem. That's not my problem either. <laughs> sure, John. I'm sure John will provide for that kid well. He's earned a lot of money. Yeah before well, tax <laughs> <laughs> that about wraps it up mike you, right. you got to be dialed in on the euro tour this next week yeah euro tour makes their big return absolutely deep field at abu dhabi rory jt uh etc etc lpga makes its season debut uh this coming week so lots to talk about next week Mike got is a crazy hold on i've got a crazy hypothesis about what john rom's wd could be Having to do with DJ beating him up. What if what, what if Rom's kid is with Paulina as a part of his revenge tour? What? DJ beat him up. <laughs> what did I just hear? Yeah, well, it honestly, I wouldn't be surprised. Apparently, uh, I'm not gonna say. I don't. Yeah, I mean, I, who, who could say? Who could say? <laughs> oh God! It's a crazy. This thing. is just. I just per thought, sources. Yeah. <laughs> per no sources. Allegedly. Unbelievable. All right, we'll end it there. That's that's enough of that. Mike is is Aaron Rye in the field this week? Uh, probably. Oh, hold on. Speaking of Aaron Rye, Bubba's using iron covers. Oh my God! We forgot <laughs> to talk about this. <laughs> what the hell, dude? This is. It's, it's getting out of hand. It's, it's a pandemic. It's a pandemic in and of itself. The iron covers. Listen, mental health is taking a toll for it on everybody during the pandemic, but seems like it may have hit Bubba a little harder than others. <laughs> I think it got to his head a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Like really drove. He might, that was like a full body blow. I but think <laughs> if anyone were to do it, it would be Bubba. It like, would be. No, like, I thought it was surprising. I was a, if you told me that somebody had iron covers on tour, I would have bet my entire mortgage that it was Bryson. I think it will be in Bryson's cards in the future. It he could be. Thing up his irons. Yeah, could change, could change like the center you know, of gravity, density, center of gravity, loft. Who knows? Get inertia. better spin. Exactly. Get more spin. He wants to optimize it. Uh, uh, man. <laughs> but just really dark scene for Boa. I mean, that's all there is to say. Yeah. Anyways, have a good week, Mike. I think you might need to get your frontal lobes checked. Yeah. All right. Might need a lobotomy. Shout, <laughs> shout out to James Harden, fat suit, by the way. <laughs> Rest in peace, on hell.
Bye. Dead. He's in jail. Bye. I hit a chili dip. It was off the it was off the hosel. I mean Cameron Davis is a joke. Mike, you got any yeah. takes on the e-golf pro tour? You already have iron <laughs> covers. You already look like a giant <laughs> pussy. <laughs> I don't care. I honestly don't give a shit. He could be six feet under at this point, whoever WD. I didn't watch a single bit of it, but I'm going to chirp at the Fairmont St. Andrews because of the name. Paul Tesori. Paul Tesori, friend of the pod. Neiman, friend of the pod. Friend of the pod. Yeah. Friend of the pod, Aunt Betsy. Terrell Haddon, are you kidding me? And there is a raccoon, no joke, like 20 feet away. Florida. Say Florida, I'm hanging. No! You can't say Florida!